Empire Lines uncovers the unexpected, often two-way flows of empires through art. Interdisciplinary thinkers use individual artworks as artifacts of imperial exchange, revealing the how and why of the monolith empire. The idea is, what does it look like to collaborate, to build a chorus across the In this episode, curator Eleanor Nairn traces the migrations of contemporary artist Julian Knox as he travels between European port cities and back to the Barbican in London, collaborating with black choirs and musicians on the way. And not wanting to be put within those archives just to a single understanding of what it could be. Hi, my name's Eleanor Nen, and I'm the curator working on Julian Knox, Chorus and Rememory of Flight. Now, Chorus is an audiovisual poetic installation that meditates as much on African identity as migration, departures and landings. Julian Knox was born in Freetown, Sierra Leone. How is he connected with London and the Barbican? So I met Julian in a London exhibition actually a few years ago and was really kind of blown away. He is an artist who, as you say, began as a poet but very naturally grew into these polyphonic ways of working, starting in one medium and then finding himself in another. He's very good at following a line, following a story and seeing where it takes him. And he had this hugely ambitious idea for a project that he's always been interested in the idea of the choir, how a choir might act as a kind of metaphor for civic society. And the idea in essence was to create a choir of choirs. So to go and work with different choirs in different European cities and use them as a means to think about what it is to live in the African diaspora or the black diaspora in each of these different European cities and to string together kind of like pearls on a necklace, these different images, testimonies, movements, ideas, to build a kind of tapestry of people's voices, people's experiences, to understand something that is, of course, enormous and amorphous. (laughs) And this multi-channel film is the product of a year of travel across port cities in Western Europe, a process of collaboration and active listening with those choirs, as you said, which provide some of the soundtrack. We talked about the role of water and migration in a previous episode with Johnny Pitts, who undertook a similar journey to answer the question, what is Black Britain? What does water mean for Julian Knox's work? I think there are so many different ways that we can interpret it. The most kind of literal metaphor is about the idea of the transatlantic and the histories of slavery, the histories of colonialism, the histories of people being forced from one continent to another, that sense of commodities being traded across seas and that trauma, the legacies of that trauma. But the waters are kind of more than that. The waters are also about fluidity, something that is shape-shifting, something perhaps about the way in which people like vessels on kind of choppy water are able to find themselves somehow at sea. And so there are many places in the film where we encounter these 
quite ambiguous images and deliberately ambiguous because they bring certain histories to mind while also allowing us to meditate on other sorts of possibilities. Julian is careful about how much he says. You know, he wants us to do a degree of the work too about how we read into these images. And there's reference in there to the Berlin Conference, a meeting which carved up Africa to colonial powers in Europe, the Netherlands and Schiphol Airport as a shipwrecked place. We first met Julian's work at A World in Common, Contemporary African Photography at Tate, but his landscapes, and particularly the way that he positions the black body in landscapes, seem to bear more in common with Carrie Mae Weems, previously on show at the Barbican upstairs. In that show, we saw figures standing in front of museums. Does this installation help us to rethink familiar settings, familiar landscapes from the perspective of others' experiences? I think it definitely does. One way to think about Julian's work is through a kind of anthropological lens of somebody who is investigating the histories of people and the histories of people in a place and a kind of psychogeography you might think of too. And he does it very effectively because he's doing it through an oral tradition. He's going to a place, he's spending time in a place, he's researching, of course, the histories of what have taken place over the years, but he's also interviewing people and asking them both about their contemporary experiences of a place but also about the ways in which they interact with those histories and I think that can then be enormously moving for people to encounter and a member of our team who's originally from Lisbon said to me I had no idea I lived in this city for so much of my life I spent formative years there as a teenager we were partying in some of these places and I had no idea And she said that afterwards she had gone and spent time in the reading area we've created and there's a book in that area that's specifically about the legacies of slavery and colonialism within Lisbon as a city. And she was educating herself. She was learning about a city that she called home and an entire dimension of that city that she perhaps at some level knew about but certainly not consciously. And that's a really amazing and very powerful aspect of what Julian's work offers us. From Lisbon to London, Amsterdam to Hamburg, this journey spans 4,000 kilometres of Europe. We often talk about the differences between the UK and the US when it comes to experiences of blackness, but I wonder more across the European Union, what were some of the similarities and differences between communities that Julian met? I think part of what he's interested in is about the individuals as much as it's about particular cities. So, of course, you have particular communities who became resident in the different cities who shape the experience of the African diaspora within that place. But he's also very interested in the unique individual's experiences and some of those testimonies are deliberately interwoven with others from other places. So within the film, it's not always clear to us which city we're in. That's very important to him too, that in a way he's wanting to investigate specificities of the psychogeography of a single place, but he's also wanting to draw, to stitch together some points of commonality between these different places and a sense that perhaps we cannot neatly segregate between them. That's really interesting because Chorus really addresses these wider phenomena of racism and prejudice through personal experience and one of my favourite quotes is, if you don't unlearn racism you might miss the love of your life. 
this kind of mix of poetry and academia really characterises the artist's practice and he's particularly influenced by philosophy, people like Edouard Glissant and especially Lorna McDaniel. Can you tell me about McDaniel's work and how it's impacted the artist? Yeah, so McDaniel wrote a book about the big drumming rituals in Karakou and it was again a way of taking one aspect, this very rich musical heritage and using it as a microcosm through which to understand something of the culture of the place. And in a way, the beginning of this project was about doing something similar with choirs, using the song, the performance, the nature of how they come together as a community to understand something of how they act as a microcosm of the larger place. What then became interesting was the way in which Julian then wanted to enrich that with other forms of testimony. So that might be literally somebody describing their experience of what it's been for them to come to the city, to live in the city, It might be an academic speaking about their work into the history of a place, but it also might be the movement of a dancer. So the reason why poetry is so important is because Julian has this innate relationship to lyricism, to being able to articulate really vast ideas or vast aspects of experience incredibly succinctly and to finding ways to do it which isn't about reducing the idea but is about containing it or creating a vessel for it to sit within. We are one, we are one, what's left of us. We are one, we are one, what's left of us. There's a moment when I was interviewing him for the book And I asked him about the single line that many of the choirs sing, we are what's left of us. And I said, tell me a little bit about what this line means to you because the choirs interpret it very differently. And he said, of all the people, the humans that have existed on this planet, everything that has been and everything that has come to pass, we are the inheritors of that. And what do we do with that inheritance? Where do we take it from there? That is an extremely simple and enormously profound idea. And so I think those are the kinds of things that Julian's using poetry to negotiate within the work. In Marseille, we meet a man with classical French architecture reflected in his sunglasses. And he says that France is where he met Africa. He talks about the motherland for everyone being Africa, not just black communities, but all civilization. Another speaker talks about Africa being stereotyped as a cultureless continent. And music, movement, dance all run throughout this piece testaments themselves to the survival of cultural memory you mentioned the choir being a metaphor for community but I wonder what you think about the role of music as a non-conventional source of history and also a means by which knowledge is transferred across generations. Music is obviously phenomenally important as a way to encode and transmit ideas, emotion, information, knowledge We only need to look to the history of the blues to think of an example of that. Julian speaks very beautifully about some of the choirs, of course, are singing in languages that he doesn't understand, but he had a fundamental sense of the meaning. And so that idea that music is able to transcend vocabulary 
and hit upon other forms of knowledge or understanding I think is really critical to the way in which the work functions. The sounds and motifs in this overlap, you mentioned polyphony but it's also about the layers of history. In the U-Bahn in Germany he holds his hand aloft in part looking like he's holding onto a subway rail but also in part an homage to the Black Power stance and then the film jars and there's some archive material in there too. Certainly, recurrence and immersion are really important in this installation. It wraps around the Barbican's curve gallery. Could you talk about the different experiences, perhaps for someone in the gallery space, someone immersed, but also the prospects for global access provided by putting content online through WePresent, which is the arts platform of WeTransfer? Yeah, I think the hope is that within the exhibition space itself, you have the opportunity for an experience that's very transportative and that in that experience of being transported to an elsewhere, you have the possibility of engaging with some really challenging subject matter. There is within this work a reckoning, and I like that word because, of course, it relates to sea navigation, how you might reckon the whereabouts of a ship. And that reckoning lands differently for each of us depending on our respective journeys to how we find ourselves encountering this work. But for all of us, there's an element of reckoning and you need to be transported in order to be in a position to think about what the implications are for us. All of us have a capacity to be transported online as well and we were very conscious when we were staging the show that Julian was collecting these testimonies, these stories from all across Europe. Many of those people will never have the opportunity to be able to come to the Barbican and experience the show and the curve. So offering these other kind of hybrid ways of being able to encounter the work is a way to be conscious of those who might need other routes in to be able to experience Julian's vision. This is Julian's first institutional solo exhibition in the UK, but beyond World in Common, he frequently collaborates with collectives at 180 Studios, where he's a resident. How does the artist relate to collectives and collaborative work? Yeah, there's something sort of innately multiple about Julian's way of thinking and seeing the world. He understands that nothing is singular. That's why we included that quote on the wall from Glissant about we can move with the other while being ourselves. We are not one, we are many, we are multiple. You know, it's a really important aspect of how we might understand human experience and in a similar way, Julian doesn't go about the making of his work as a kind of single artist all-seeing God on his own in a studio space. You know, he's always working with collaborators, whether that be directly within the studio, whether that be in the making of a film or a performance or in other kinds of creative outlets. It's very central to the way in which he thinks and works. Eleanor, thank you ever so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you very much. Julian Knox, Chorus in Rememory of Flight, runs at the Barbican in London until the 11th of February 2024. The exhibition is also accessible online via WePresent, the global arts platform of WeTransfer. For more, you can read my article. You'll find all the links in the episode notes. Empire Lines is produced by Jelena Sofronievich. For more episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.